Vision Sunday, and we're going to start in Proverbs 29. And um, Proverbs chapter 29, if you want to turn there. Proverbs chapter 29. Well, if I'd get in Proverbs instead of Isaiah, that would help. I was thinking, that's not what I wanted to read. No wonder. Proverbs 29 and verse 18. Where there is no vision, the the New King James says revelation, the people cast off restraint. Um, I like the Amplified even a little bit better. Where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. See, one of the things that vision does, and I'm going to talk for some of you, some of the things today that I'm going to say, at least this morning, some of it will be review. But for many of you, it will be the first time that you've heard that, and it's very important that you're here today. So I'm taking a, long, a lot of time today to, to frame like a picture frame, framing something. I'm going to frame something with words. Um, The Bible says that the word, the worlds worlds were framed by the Word of God. Today, as I I share things with you, what what I'm doing is framing the vision of gates of the city with the Word of God. See, because there's, there's no reason to have vision for advancing the kingdom if we don't frame the vision in the Word. The vision has to be framed with the Word of God. So, um, I really, I really like this, this piece in the 18th verse where it says, where there is no vision or redemptive revelation of God, the people cast off restraint. And... Um, you know, some may ask a question, you know, what does what is, what is restraint have to do with vision? Well, I don't know if you've ever had a job or been in a business or a, any kind of organization of any kind where it seemed like nobody was in charge. You worked for these people, and it was like, well, we're hiring you, we're paying you this amount of money, and this is what we need you to do, and you just kind of do it. And everybody else just kind of does it. And they're all active and busy with all kinds of stuff. But if, if, you've, if, you, if you're like me, I was the kind of person that needed, I needed framing so that, and I needed some, 
some restraint and some, some boundaries, if you will, so that I would stay inside of what needs to be accomplished. And if there's not boundaries and vision, a person, let's just say, that has a business and they're telling you what they want you to do, but you're hearing something totally different because they haven't taken the time to frame and, and illustrate and, and teach you by example what they want you to accomplish. And when, when you're a person that needs that, there's an unsettling that's involved. There's a real unsettling. You, you, you really can't put yourself into something and, and accomplish a lot. You can do your own thing, but you can't accomplish a lot with the rest of the team. If it's a job, a business, a church, whatever it is, you won't be a part of the team when, there's, when, when restraint is not known or boundaries are not known. Or vision is not known. When it's not known and understood, it's very difficult to be a part of what's going on. That's why we're sharing this today. So, where there is no vision, where there's no redemptive revelation of God, the people cast off restraint. But happy, or like the Amplified said, blessed and happy and fortunate and enviable is he. What's enviable? Is that just a a state that you're in? Or is that something that is active that other people are looking at and they want what you have? Right? So you become enviable. In other words, you become attractive. Everybody say that. Attractive. You can hear me say that word, use that word in different forms just the rest of this message. Everybody say it again. Attractive. You, You become attractive when you have restraint when you have vision when you have boundaries and you're living in those blessed happy fortunate and enviable is that person because you've learned what that is and how to operate in that and people want that whether you know it or not people want it and most of the success stories in this nation and, and the businesses that are prospering, they understand this. Whether, whether they're Christians or not, they understand the principles of restraint, of boundaries, and casting vision, and, and allowing that vision to be understood, which is what the next verse says in the book of Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, or, or whatever it is. I've heard, I've heard some people say this name. I mean, and I don't, there's no way I could say it. I was in Israel, and there was, there was a, our, our guide was talking about, actually, this passage of Scripture. And, man, I don't know what she said. And I had to ask her three times, what book are you talking about? Do you have a different book that you're, th- you're, you're thinking about? She goes, no. It's blah, 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 blah. Okay. So, anyway, it's Habakkuk, I think. <clears throat> Close to it. So verse 2, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak. In other words, words, when you cast vision in a way that keeps people challenged, then the, the vision casting will speak at the end of it. 
In other words, the, the fruit will speak for itself, and that's what we want. We don't want just a bunch of talking. We want fruit that is born. Can you say amen? So he said, Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come and it will not tarry. I'm going to read it again. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come to pass, and it will not tarry. In other words, it looks like it, it's, it's contradicting in, in what is, is, is the, the, the statements there contradict themselves, but it will tarry, but it won't tarry. But it will tarry, wait for it. But it won't tarry, so as you wait for it, it'll come. That's the way it works, because it will bear fruit, even though tarrying and, and having patience and endurance will always be a part of waiting and, and developing the stuff that you need to be developed in, that we need as a body to be developed in, there'll always be a tearing for manifestation. Because if we do this as a team, as we're talking about the worship team, there are things that have to be worked through, right? And when you work through things, then you become prepared. People say, well, you know, I, I believe God for this and nothing happened. Well, God's never a day late nor a dollar short ever, not never as He ever been. Okay. Now, in our books, in our worlds, we think he's short and way behind, and he forgot our phone number and all this and our address, and you know, Santa didn't know where to deliver it, you know, kind of thing. I mean, surely he would have known where I was. He does know where you're at. He just knows when you're ready to receive, and that that's why there's so much preparation that goes into really receiving if you're going to do things God's way. Amen. So. In the, in the last few years at Gates of the City, like I said, some of this will be repetitive for some of you, but it's always good to hear. Um, we've talked about predominantly two things. We've talked about the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. The Great Commission is to make disciples. Jesus said the last thing, one of the last things that he said before he left the planet was to make disciples of all nations. Immerse them in the revelation of who the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are. And, and the great commandment was to love God and loving God and knowing how much God loves you empowers you to be able to love people the same way. So loving God and loving people is the great commandment. The great commandment. There's the Ten Commandments. There's over 600 commandments in the Bible. But, but the commandment that matters, the commandment that he told us to be wrapped up and involved in, was loving God and knowing, developing a relationship with God so you know how much that he loved you so you don't walk around with this guilt complex all the time for all the bad things you ever did when all along he's forgiven you of everything that's ever happened. When you understand that, then you're able to love people and not be in a competitive mode with people and jealous of people and, and, and intimidated by people. You're, you're comfortable in your own skin. You know who you are. And then as you're that person, you're fulfilling the great commandment because you're able to love people. Why would I walk in unforgiveness with people? I can, you can be irritated with people but not be in unforgiveness. See, anybody ever irritated you? Don't raise your hand. <clears throat> I mean, 
we're all in the same boat. Everybody's been irritated. Maybe as you walked into church today, somebody irritated you, you know? I mean, maybe today you don't like my haircut, you know? And maybe you're irritated with my hair or something like that, or you don't like whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of things that irritate. You can be irritated, but you don't have to hold on to that thing. You can cast it. The Bible says cast every care because he knows how to handle stuff better than we do. That's just a proven fact, right? So in the Great Commission, the Great Commandment, one of the things at Gates of the City that we've done that we'll continue to do probably forever is connect groups. And connect groups are about what? Connecting. Wow. (laughs) That's deep. You know, it's about connecting. It's about connecting in in relationship. It's where we feel like that it's more important to connect through relationship first than it is to try to connect with people around Bible study necessarily or those kind of things because a lot of times there's a lot of intimidation where that comes from. First, you need to develop relationship. Because what I've noticed in our connect groups, and you, can, you, you all are the ones that are a part of them, what I've noticed in connect groups is that as people get to know each other, they start talking the word. Hey, let's go have lunch. You know, apart from connect groups, let's go have lunch or let's do this or let's go play golf or let's go whatever. And, and in that, those times, you're developing relationship and people begin to talk to each other about their experiences and about the Word. That's the way it should work. See, instead of someone being invited, and it doesn't mean you can't do it this way, I just, I just feel like, and we have felt like at Gates, that it's better to develop relationships first and then build around these, the, 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 the Word of God. Um, but as, as you develop relationship one-on-one, then you begin to realize you have something for someone else. Did you hear me? I want everybody in here to know today and and on in the days ahead, that you have something for someone else. Every person sitting here today has something in them for someone else. And, And I'm not talking about preaching to people. I'm just talking about loving people. See, the great commandment was not to preach to people. It was to love people. Not to hammer people and, and drive the word down their throat to the point that they choke. You know, trying to prove to them that there's things that need to change in their life. Listen, you don't, have to, you don't have to go after people convincing them that they need to change. It's written on the, on the tablet of every person's heart things that aren't right. People know they're not right. See, but first they have to feel accepted. If you're here today and you've stayed here, it's because you have felt accepted. And, in, and in, in, on a day-to-day basis... When you're in relationship with people, the people around you need to feel accepted by you before they'll ever open up about anything else, or in in most cases, I'm saying. So the Great Commission, Great Commandment that we've talked about over the last few years are vital to the success of where this body is going, but it's where the church is going. Last two things that Jesus really emphasized and talked about were these two great things. There are a lot of good things, but I want to do what's great. And what's great is to learn to love God and learn how much God loves me and then love people that way and then allow my life to make disciples of other people. And, and what a disciple is, is someone that wants to emulate that person. You know, movie stars have disciples. You know, 
TV talk show hosts have disciples. I mean, I mean, everybody that's professional, that is successful, that does anything has disciples, people that want to emulate those people, right? Wear what they have, same shoes, same clothes, cut their hair the same way, start talking the same way and the whole bit, using the same words they want to emulate them. What we've been called to do, number one in our own lives, is to emulate Jesus and to be, to be attracted to him so that people can see him in us and they don't even know it. I'm honored today to have my, my dad here with me. Uh, he's been my dad for a long time. <laughs> and uh, all, uh, he's been my dad for my whole life. And uh, he's uh, just, a, just a privilege to have him with me. We, we had a, I, I just tell you this little story. We had, a, had an opportunity yesterday to, my, my best friend when I was growing up, um, is now the golf coach at University of Texas, and my dad's been in the golf business for years and years. And, and uh, when this guy and I met at five years old, he didn't play golf, uh, and, or six years old in kindergarten is where we met. And, uh, and we just hit it off. We became best friends. And uh, we grew up, and he, he, he was basketball, and he played football, and and I played basketball, and I played golf, and so somewhere along the line, he decided he wanted to play golf, so my dad taught him and started him on his path and his way, and over the last few years of spending even more time with my father and, 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 and connecting with him, I've been around a lot of people that his life has touched, lots of people. I mean, I was sitting there listening to my friend John yesterday talk about all that my father had done in his life and, and giving him credit for those things. I'm just sitting there thinking, why? Why would someone like that say that and not, be, not want to take the credit for things in their life? You know? and, and one of the reasons is, is because my father stayed true to his calling. A lot of people do something for a while and then they jump off of it and they go a lot of different directions, but he stayed true to his calling. And, and it was to golf, and he's a retired PGA pro today, and he does you know, still lots and lots of things. He's a busy man, probably busier at 80 years old than he was when he was 50, probably. He's just a busy man doing all kinds of things and done, done, had a lot of success in the business. But what his true calling was was people, and he stayed committed to people, and he stayed committed to helping people. And everywhere I go, I hear people, and people tell me all the time, yeah, I, I, we, we celebrated his 80th birthday back in March, and, um, and the guy that, that the, the banquet hall that, that catered the dinner for his, his party, he came up to me and shook my hand. He said, uh, you don't know who I am, but I know who you are. And he said, you're, you're Herb's son. I said, yeah. And he said, you know, if it hadn't been for him, I don't know if I'd even be here today because of the investment in, you know, in my life. And I just, you know, I can't tell you how many times, especially in the last four or five years, that I've heard those kind of things. And why? Because he's been true to his calling and his calling is people. You know, his vocation was golf, but his calling was for people, you know. And that's the thing. That's the thing that we all have to understand. That was what the great commission and the great commandment was about was people right see we're not we're not we don't want people just i mean people are going to emulate you they're going to if they like what they see if they're attracted to you and they like what they see in you they're going to they'll do things like you you know i mean i've i've had a lot of spiritual sons and daughters and people that that will 
that, that will follow after my wife and I and, and, and that they'll do things exactly like we do or they'll cut their hair, you know, I mean, the, the hair's such a nice, you know, and, uh, and, and they want to be like us or something, you know, you know people will follow that, because, but people want to be like you in the same way because they don't know what they're attracted to is what's in you. You, you hear what I'm saying? And so ultimately what we do, it's kind of like weaning a child. You, you, they, they grow to a certain place and, and they get weaned. And, and there's a weaning process through the years with a child. Well, it's the same way with people that are attracted to you. Because what you're doing is you're leading them to the attraction of who God is. Because when God gets real on the inside of them, that's what changes them. Not them depending on every little thing that you do for them in their life. And we want to do good things for people. That's what we're here for. But ultimately, to where they stand on their own two feet, and they're able to be the people that God created them to be individually so they can be a part of the corporate thing that God's put together. Can you say amen? So, so this vision is vital to make it clear, and the vision at Gates has been and will always be, and you'll always hear me remind you of it to the point that maybe you get tired of hearing it, but it's, it's what he said, and we're going to say it. And it's the Great Commission and the Great Commandment and really, really truly understanding that. So, I want to talk about... I want to I look at Isaiah 43 and verse 19. Isaiah 43 and 19. And I want to talk about, well, I'm going to read this verse and then we'll talk about it. And I'm jumping into a story here or a prophecy right here, but what I'm going to say is, is I'm not, this isn't taken out of context. This will bear witness and I'll, I'll back it up with Scripture. Verse 19 says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Actually, uh, Dahlia mentioned this passage of Scripture this morning as she, was, as she was encouraging us in our transition this morning. Um, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. <clears throat> Let me ask you a question. Is there anything up here that's different than when I normally preach? He was attracted to that. Right? I mean, it's $20, you know, $20 is $20, right? I mean, to some people at the moment, that may be huge. To someone else, it's just $20, but it's $20, right? And I, I don't know, <clears throat> and maybe there are people like that, but I don't know them. I don't know anybody that would just take this and wad it up and throw it away, right? And if you saw it blowing by in the wind... You know, that you might not make a fool of yourself and chase it down even to running in the middle of the street and cars, you know, trying to wreck because you're in the middle of the street trying to get a $20 bill. I mean, maybe, right? But, but what, 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 what's the key to that, to that 20? 
the, the, it, it, it's the, it's what lots of people, you, you, most of you probably heard this, this phrase, but it's the law of attraction. You're, you're attracted to something that is what? Valuable. It has value. The law of attraction is when there's value to something, you're drawn to it. Right? And just anything that is of value, you, I mean, I could have, for, for, for one person, I could have put something up here that you're attracted to and other people wouldn't even notice it. See, it's what is valuable to you. And I heard, this, I heard somebody make this statement the other day that the law of attraction has to do with, with what you fear or what you're afraid of. Well, that's true. Because the Bible says the thing that you most greatly fear will come upon you. But in another way, and I want you to just think about this real, really, really clearly today and, and meditate it on it throughout the afternoon. Come back tonight because in, in what I'm going to share tonight, we'll finish this, some of this up. But think about you being a person that is rooted in unforgiveness. Now let me ask you this. If you have ever been, which I think most people have, I mean, I, I, I don't think I've ever met anybody that didn't have any unforgiveness at all, so I think everybody's touched it, some people more than others, because of where they've come from. <clears throat> but do you, think that, do you think that other people around you know that you have unforgiveness? Why? Because you talk, right? You talk about it. And a lot of times, the people that you have unforgiveness toward, you talk about those people. Maybe not to everybody, but certain people around you that are closest to you, you'll talk about that person, okay? So, <clears throat> do you think that if you begin to know how much God loved you, and you're able to lay down unforgiveness toward a certain person, and you really walked that out, and you walked through this issue, or these issues of unforgiveness, do you think that the law of attraction would begin to come alive in you in a positive way with people? In other words, here's, here you are, you've got this unforgiveness, and listen, when you have unforgiveness, the Bible call, says that there is a root that's attached to it. There's a root of bitterness that's attached to it, but there's a root of unforgiveness, and it, and it feeds that unforgiveness. So if, if you have, let's say these are 3D glasses of unforgiveness. So I put these on, and I wear them all the time. I'm walking around, and I'm wearing these glasses. So everything I look at and, and every decision that I make, I make through unforgiveness. So, could you think that maybe we could make some bad decisions in life because of unforgiveness ruling and reigning in us, right? So, if, if, if we get rid of unforgiveness and we start with one person, and, you know, I, I had, in, in, in forgiving certain people in my life, I had to start with the ones that, that were more difficult. And as I learned 
and, and walked that out, what happened was I didn't talk about not only that person, but I found myself not talking bad about other people. And so what happens is people are all of a sudden attracted to that goodness in your life as a result of what God has done to deliver you of that thing. See, most people, if someone is unkind to them, bam, it's back, right, right, right back. But see, love, love is kind, no matter what. You go to a restaurant, sitting at the table, you know, dressed to the nines, bring a glass of tea to the table, they dump it in your lap. I have a right. Yeah? Yeah? And, and when we operate in unforgiveness, we have no patience for other people's mistakes. You ever dropped a glass of something? Man. If there's a pet peeve of mine, and all my family knows that, and I've gotten over that finally, I believe. And when I really got over it was the day that I was in my brand new Suburban and I had a cup of hot coffee. Well, it wasn't brand new. It was about two years old. And, and I had a cup of hot coffee sitting on the dash. And I re- leaned over to get something, and I hit it, and the coffee went all down the dash. And, and you know, I mean... It's a good thing I don't say everything I think because it was, it, was, it, was, it, it was almost like my life was over, you know? It was like, how can you clean? I mean, I'm going to have to take this to a body shop and they're going to have to disconnect the whole dash and the frame. And I mean, you know, my head started going, how am I going to clean this? I mean, there's going to be coffee smell and stain in this thing forever and ever and ever and ever. but it had to do with some roots that still hadn't been pulled up in my life. And think about when someone does something and there's no reaction coming from your life. Do you think that the law of attraction in a positive way is working through your life? Imagine. How many people, if you stood up from somebody dumping tea in your lap and you say, you know what? No biggie. Let me help you clean this up. Whole restaurant's probably watching, especially if a big guy like me stood up, you know, thought I'm going to take the table and throw it over or whatever. I mean, you know, you, who, I mean, how many people have you seen do things and how many things have I done similar to that, you know, or, or something? Uh, but you get up and, you, you know, it's tea, it's clothes. They'll wash, you know. Yeah, it's disrupted my lunch, you know, but I, I could miss a meal. It's okay. We'll go home, clean it up, get rid of it, get it all done. Bam, it's all great. And what do you think would happen the next time I come in that restaurant? I'll want to wait on him. Hmm? All of a sudden, the law of attraction. They're attracted to who you are inside. Right? Now, what I've been talking to you about since Word First, I think maybe the week before Word First, so I've been talking to you out of Luke 14 about the highways and the byways. And <clears throat> I'm going to get into this tonight, but I want you to think about this. Our success individually in the highways and byways 
have everything to do with the great commandment of God. Because you read 1 Corinthians 13 and all the different characteristics of the love of God. Love is patient. It didn't say you are. It says love is. Right? It's kind. You know, it's forgiving. It, it, it thinks the best of people in the worst situations. It always believes the best, no matter what. And the more you develop that, the more you become attractive you become attractive to other people. The success of the highways and byways ministry in the days ahead, our success is solely connected to the condition of our hearts. Everything is connected to who we are and how much we're growing so that the law of attraction in a positive way is drawn to us. Amen? So that we become not just $20 bills, but we become $100 bills, right? We become a stack of hundreds, you know? We become a suitcase of hundreds. People are drawn and attracted to who you are and the kindness in your life and, and what you have. Listen, because what are we doing on the other side of the great commandment? We're operating in the great commission, and so we're discipling people, but we're discipling people after him. So then people get to know him, and then what happens? There's a duplication from one person to the next person, and now this person that, it, that has been discipled in him through you is now discipling other people, right? And it's the great commission to go and make disciples of all the nations, everywhere we go and, wherever, and whatever we do. So, you know, today, I see Matt sitting over there, and He's in the military, so he's got a lot of different people in his highway that he comes in contact with that none of you ha will be or ever will be in contact with because you have to be in the service to do it. And as he and Tia marry and they go off and they're going to another town, they're taking with them revelation in their heart to carry this on. No matter where they go, what they do, this vision, this framing that I'm talking about here concerning the Great Commission and the Great Commandment and going to the highways and the byways is that we live our life first and foremost as ministers of reconciliation, reconciling people back to God so that our vocation, as I was talking about my dad earlier, his vocation was golf, but his heart was people. And as a result of that, remember what we talked about about the vision? At the end, it will speak. So see, he's, he's toward, he's not at the end of his life. He's at the other end of, you know, if he was 20, he'd be on the first end. He's at 80, he's on the second end of life. And on this end now, the things that he sowed in the beginning are speaking on his behalf. As Matt and Tia, I was using him as an example, as he goes places... He's taking with him what he's learned and the understanding of this, and as it stays framed on the inside of him, he makes a difference wherever we go. We're, we're to make disciples of the nations everywhere we go. Every person that we come in contact with, we can do that with. I'm not talking about preaching to him. I'm talking about allowing the light that is in you 
to get brighter and brighter and brighter. So when we develop relationship with God, we make disciples just showing up. Hmm? Show up to a restaurant. I promise you, just about every single time you go in any place, I don't care what it, where it is, any, any establishment of any kind, you are set up and ready to be a living witness to people in your highways or your byways. And we'll just, we're going to define those tonight as we get into those and what those will look like. But I truly believe that when we understand the highways and byways revelation, when we understand this and we understand our part in it, then the rest of what God has created and called us to do will succeed. Now, I've got five minutes and I'm done. And then we'll, then we'll pick this up tonight. But I, wanna, I want to define this for you today. Um. <clears throat> We've been talking about vision. <clears throat> Excuse me. But there's a cause. There's vision and cause. There's a, there's a cause or a reason behind what we do. And, and, and I want you to think about this. If you're taking notes, just jot a couple things down in regards to this. The vision, the vision that we have is something that is cast like, okay, in the last couple of years we cast vision one way, but now it's becoming more clear. How many can say that have been here for a few years that what we're talking about today, and I've reviewed some of the things of the past to set us up for where we're at right now, how many can say that what we talked about two years ago is more clear than it was two years ago? How many can say that? Just lift your hand if you can say, I can see what you're saying, that it's clear. Yeah. See, it's clear because it, it, it evolves, the vision does, but the cause never changes. The cause of Christ never changes. It stays the same. And what is it? To pursue Him, as we were talking about. To make disciples, as, as we mentioned. And then, and then, working together for a cause. Now, um, every year there's a big thermometer down at the courthouse for the United Way. Anybody ever seen the big thermometer at the United Way? Okay. And, and there, there, is a, there is a cause involved in United Way. And can anybody tell me what it is? Okay. So you see that thing, but you don't really know anything about it. You can walk in here. You can walk in here. Okay. I mean, there are people that know what the cause is of the United Way, okay? I mean, and some of you may know, and you just didn't say it, whatever. But for the most part, most people drive by it and don't even know what the cause is. Hell, I'm not going to donate any money to that. Why? Well, I don't know. All those United Way people want is your money. Whatever. I mean, they, they could have a great cause, but if you don't know it, you won't get behind it. 
You can come and sit in here, and you can kind of hear and see what we're saying. And today I'm defining some things for you, and you can hear what we're saying. And yeah, 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 yeah. But, but you won't really get behind it, okay, if your heart's not connected to the cause. The vision is good, and the vision will evolve. And, and next year, when we cast more vision that's adding to the vision of the past and the vision of today, as we cast more vision, yeah, 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 okay, okay. But if you're not connected to the cause, okay, that never changes, as the vision evolves, you might go with it and you might not. That's just the way it is in any business. I don't care what it is. You might go with it and you might not if you don't understand the cause. Right? So, you want to know what the cause is? Yeah? Come back tonight. <laughs> and since Tony lifted his hand for the for the 20, I'm going to give him the 20. Would you give that to him? <clears throat> Way to be perceptive, Tony. Come on. The bowling master. So, <clears throat> as we not what I wanted. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read this and then we'll and we'll be done. I'm not gonna expound on this right now, but in Luke 14 and we're gonna get into this tonight. You can just look at it and then I'm done. <clears throat> Verse 21 of Luke 14. So the servant came, and he reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in the poor, the maimed, the lamed, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and there still is room. You know, it's like it's half full. Then the master said to the servant, It's not going to be that easy just to go get the poor and the lame and the maimed. It's not going to be that easy. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges or the highways and the byways and compel them to come into the house. Compel them to come in that the house may be filled. Okay? And throughout the year, at different times, you'll just hear me talk about this again. But God's House filled equals, equals people saved, healed, and delivered. That's what it equals. And God is about people. And vision in all of the things that you can cast and throw out there has to come back to the simplicity of what can people run with? What can people move with and operate with? What, what, what can you take a hold of and make a difference with? That's the key. And you, there's not a person in here that doesn't have already on the inside of them 
something that other people need. And don't forget that. And tonight when we come back, we're going to illustrate what that looks like and how to walk that out just in simple little hands-on little ideas that you, that you can really realize in a greater way how effective that you are where you're at. Well, you know, I'm just tired of this. I just need to move to New York City. Bless God. Got to just move out of town and go do something else. Well, if, if you're to move out of town, if you're to move out of town, you need to move out of town because you're led out of town. Because see, when you get to New York City, <laughs> the problem is you're going to be there. And what didn't work for you in Kerrville, Texas, ain't going to work for you in New York City about ten times over. Because it's not been changed from within. See, So our purpose and plan is to change people within so we make a difference in the things we do. Amen? So be back tonight and, and, and come and be a part of what we're, what we're doing and talking about in implementing the vision and making sure that we understand what the cause is. Anybody want to know what the cause is? Some of you, may, you already know what the cause is. But we're going to talk about it tonight. Amen?